Why choose a Sleep Number smart bed? Because no two people sleep the same. Only the Sleep Number smart bed lets you each choose your individual firmness and comfort your Sleep Number setting. The Climate 360 smart bed is so smart, it actively cools or warms up to 13 degrees on either side for your ideal sleep temperature. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number special edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. To find a store near you, visit sleepnumber.com. On this episode, I interview Brooke Weinstein on how to parent in a sensory-based way, as well as how to regulate ourselves before we expect our children to be regulated. Example, extra 30 minutes, all of a sudden your kid naps longer and you're like, holy moly, what do I do with this time? It's like, okay, well, I'll start dinner, right? Like, you know, it's like the anxiety of like, are they going to wake up any minute? No, like sit your butt down on the couch and stare at the wall and be proud of it. Hi, and welcome to the Parentologist Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Kim. The Parentologist Podcast is a show about everything parenting with a therapeutic twist. Each episode focuses on a variety of relatable topics, including parenting, family, children, relationships, mental health, and pop culture. Hear from a variety of medical professionals, psychological experts, authors, celebrities, and other parents with inspiring stories. You'll feel like you're in the same room with your friends getting all of your questions answered. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll learn, and you'll have fun. Dr. Brooke, thank you so much for being on the show today with us. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. You know, today I I really want to talk about and dive into talking about the overload that comes with being a mom. I have a lot Mm of, you know, mom listeners out there and, you know, including myself who juggle a lot. There's a lot on our plates all the time. I'm sure you can relate to that too. And knowing when to take a pause, knowing Mm -hmm. how to take a pause in order to be the best moms we can be. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's hard to do that sometimes when life is just being thrown at us at all angles. And we have a lot on our calendar. You know, we're taking our kids to after school activities. We're helping them with homework. We have laundry to do, cooking, bills. I mean, I'm probably making people anxious just talking about it right now. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, So I just want to, you know, dive in. I know this is your specialty and I want to dive in on how we as moms can help regulate ourselves so our kids can also be regulated. In your work, do you notice that a lot? Do you notice a lot of parents coming to you and saying, my kids are so dysregulated, you know, they're they're uh, they're stressing me out and I can't handle it and I'm always snapping at them. And then do you ever stop and pause and say, well, let's talk about you for a minute. Let's talk mm-hmm. about the parent and how they can regula- regulate themselves first. Um, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on that? And is that part of your experience of what you see when parents do come to you for help? Yeah, I would say that that's the reason why I do what I do. And you asking the question of do parents come to me often and say, what do I do when my kiddo is dysregulated? That would require them to actually have the awareness of what it looks like for their child to be dysregulated versus regulated. You know, um, I have worked, like I said, I've worked in a children's hospital and that that just didn't work. I saw anything and everything and, you know, the rush of like in and out of seeing clients 30 minutes apart or back to back to back and note taking and all the different things. And it wasn't working. And I, by the time I saw the client, went to the front of the office, told the parents, hey, this is what's going on. I maybe saw the kid for 20 minutes, you know, 
And now that's why I do what I do, even after owning my own clinic and um, trying to make it so centered on parents and asking the parents over and over, please come sit in, please come watch, please come learn. You know, it, it still didn't hit the mark. And I think that the biggest reason I do what I do is because I got into this career to impact the lives of children. And I can't single-handedly do that in 30 minutes to an hour once a week with a child. I can't. And it requires bigger bigger learning. It requires bigger steps to take, which means we as parents have to take it upon ourselves to learn what it means to regulate our own bodies and our nervous system and and learn what it means to understand the sensory system for our children. There is so much information out there as well as like the diagnosis of kids. It's just like gone like rampant. And, you know, I think one of my biggest worries is that in the school system, we see kids and we red flag kids who aren't sitting in their chairs, who are bouncing up and down, who can't, quote, attend and focus in, who, you know, are, quote, struggling. And then, okay, we need an eval. Okay, we need a diagnosis. Okay, we need medicine. Okay, we need extra help. Okay, we need this. Okay, we need that. But like, what about the kid who's sitting in the corner quietly focusing on, you know, some other task for a really long time, but has a really, really hard time engaging with their peers and has a hard time, you know, revving their engine up, increasing that stimuli to then show up to the party and maybe public speak, you know, or all these different things. And it's, we have to understand the the sensory system in order to support our parents into knowing how to parent the child in front of us from day one. And, we are only pegging the kiddos who are our monkeys, right? Climbing off the walls and, and jumping in and out. But all brains matter and all sensory systems are different. You know, some are more sensitive than others. Some crave input, some seek, right? Crave and seek is basically the same thing. Some avoid. But if we don't understand how our child ticks, then there's no like there's no way we're going to be able to support their whole brain from a logic point which is the left side and an emotion standpoint which is the right side and both sides matter now in terms of helping parents if you've never felt what it feels like to feel regulated versus not there's no humanly way possible you're going to be able to see it on your child right it has to start with us and so that's why I do what I do now is helping the parent first and foremost, feel, like literally feel it on themselves. I track their data and I help them understand what it feels like to be regulated versus not. And if they can feel it, I swear it's like a light bulb. It's like, holy shit. Like, okay, I get it. Like, oh my gosh. Like, okay, now I understand why. Right? Right. And if we have the awareness, that's half the battle. It's half the battle of becoming the expert on your own brain to then become the expert on your child and support them in the way that we all long to. Like, I mean, so many of us, you know, like we feel like you, like guilt and shame or that we're not doing enough or, oh my gosh, I snapped at them or like, oh my gosh, like I'm such a bad parent or this or that. Like it just goes so deep, but we all long to be that parent of like going to bed at night and saying, I'm doing a real good damn job. Like I may have snapped at my kid today. I may have told him to go to bed and I didn't read an extra book or whatever the heck it was, but I'm doing a good job and I can trust in what I'm doing and the method and 
the parenting practices that I preach and teach, you know, like if, if you're feeling that way, like that's a gift. And I, th- I personally feel every parent should have that, you know? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Now, how do you how do you teach a parent to be regulated? Because I, I can imagine and you can tell me this, too, and maybe I should ask mm-hmm. you this first. What are the dangers of being dysregulated for so long? I know sometimes I feel like days go by where my cortisol levels are so high, I feel like I'm going to give myself a heart attack or something, yeah. right? Because yep. I, I I can feel it in my body. I can feel being edgy. I can feel feeling my body just feels heavy. That's just the way I just can describe it, right? My heartbeat yep. might you know beat a little faster on those days or whatever. So is there dangers or what are the dangers of being in that hyper state of arousal, that hyper dysregulated state for a long Mm -hmm. period of time, whether, you know, it's a parent or a child, um, there's Mm got to be some, obviously some physical uh, detriments to that as well as the mental ones too. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, this one is, it hits home for me in a lot of different ways. Um, If you are just hearing my voice for the first time and getting to know me, I'm a widow. And so I've only been a widow for a year and a half. And that mental load of dysregulation rings very true, not just for Jonathan and what I watched him suffer through for decades, um, but also for myself in terms of what it's looked like for me to get back to regulating my body, despite the fact that like this is literally my specialty and at some days I was like, no, it's fine. Like, it's fine. I can totally like, like I can trick the system. Like my body's and brain is going to be totally fine. And like, I'm not going to be dysregulated. I I did all the things. Like I I practice what I preach hands down, but your body is so much sensitive than you ever care to understand or realize. Right. And when you do start feeling the difference between dysregulation and regulation, you know, rest and digest, fight or flight, right? Cortisol levels. So let's give an example. When you're in fight or flight, perfect example, everyone's heard it, you're running away from a bear, right? So cortisol levels go up, running away from a bear. But let's discuss the patients or or people who you've heard of being in a traumatic car accident, and then they wake up and maybe they say years down the road, they don't remember any of the time in the hospital. They don't remember any of the rehab. They don't remember, you know, all I remember is blah. What do you remember? That's because your brain is supposed to do that. Like that's when you're running away from a bear, like your brain is supposed to do that. And the amount of energy and the amount of hormones and the amount of stress it places on your body is, that's why we have chronic illness. That's why we have built up lactic, like plaque in our body. You know, it's, we don't, we don't think when we're doing these things and the to-do lists and, and the carpool for tons of sports and you know, making the perfect meals for kids and like, and the laundry and that, like we could go on and on, right? Like we don't think about those things or you could be listening to me right now thinking, well, great. Like, but, but like who else is going to do it? Right? Like you don't understand Brooke, like you don't understand, like who else is going to do it? I got to tell you, I've been there solo parent, right? Like I'm, I'm mom, dad and everything in between. And it's it's very true. It's it's the state of the world that is very concerning. And like I talked about, you know, all the diagnosing earlier, but what it does to your body is it breaks your body down. Yes, because I do this, I'm so in tune with this. It's like my life's, you know, work. When I don't sleep well, I feel depressed. No joke. Like 
absolutely down and exhausted. Now let's discuss what happens when you have no awareness of that. And like you're saying, and you just keep going and going and going and going. Like your body and your brain is going to build that pattern to stay there. And so when you do finally take a rest and slow down, you're going to tell yourself, oh my gosh, I'm so lazy. Oh my gosh, like, right? right? Oh my gosh, I'm, I'm so depressed. Like, oh my gosh, I'm like, get up. You're, you're lazy. Like, what are you doing? You should be doing something, right? So the example, extra 30 minutes, all of a sudden your kid naps longer and you're like, holy moly, what do I do with this time? It's like, okay, well, I'll start dinner, right? Like, you know, it's like the anxiety of like, are they going to wake up any minute? No, like sit your butt down on the couch and stare at the wall and be proud of it. I had a client one time who her husband was traveling for work. Her son stayed with her parents for a week and she was home alone. And she was like, oh my God, I'm so excited. I'm going to like organize all the closets. And (laughs) and, I've been been there before. (laughs) Are you ready? And she's like, I'm going to clean all the baseboards. And I was like, "Uh, uh, uh, (laughs) okay. So question for you, the week where you had off and you're like, I've been there before. Did you actually organize the the closets? Heck no. There you go. But <laughs> how do you I feel? I one right? project, but yeah. I was overzealous and I didn't get to everything. Of course not. <laughs> right, right. But like she she was so overzealous. And then when we got to one of our meetings that night, she was in Thrive, my group program. And she was like, oh my God, I'm so lazy. Like I've just been sitting here. Like I just ordered sushi and I have a glass of wine. And I've been like binge watching TV. And I was like, fuck right. Like, damn right. Like your body, yes. Like (laughs) your body needed it. Like your body and your brain needed that. Your body and your brain doesn't care if those baseboards are clean. Like they they just don't, like they just don't. And once you open the closet, it's going to fall out and you got to put it back. So like you're shit out of luck if it comes out the closet, you know, but parents aren't recognizing that what this is, your brain is the most important organ in your entire body. It affects everything. Like we're saying, the hormones, the cortisol levels, like your depression, anxiety, like, and the coolest part about this is that your brain is so brilliant that you have the capacity, every single one of you listening, like you have the capacity to shift the narrative within your brain. Is it easy? No. Is it uncomfortable? Heck yeah, because your brain is so used to living in that state of fight or flight. But you can find a regulated peace. And it it starts with, you know, owning your feelings and showing up for yourself and being radically honest and allowing yourself to just simply be who you are and accept where you're at. Like, if you're tired, like, don't clean the closet out, right? Like, if you're exhausted and you had a terrible day at work, like, don't make the chicken pot pie, like frozen pizza it up. Like I'm down for that, you know, like take care of you because what it's going to do in the long run is it's going to help support your brain and body to show up in the way that you want to feel right on a consistent level with your kids. Exactly. I -hmm. love that. And I love the route where this is going. We are going to take a quick five second break and we'll come right back to talk about how to prevent burnout and how to recognize when our kids are dysregulated. We'll be right back. Okay. Hi, I'm Dr. Kim, the parentologist. As a wife, mom, therapist, and all around juggler like most of you, I lead a hectic life. And sometimes that means indulging in foods on the go that my stomach doesn't always agree with. 
Thankfully, Pepto-Bismol provides me fast and effective relief for all kinds of upset stomachs. Having a little too many guilty pleasures at a family barbecue or birthday celebration may lead to indigestion or heartburn, so I always keep Pepto on hand to get fast relief when I need it the most. Pepto-Bismol, use as directed and keep out of reach of children. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about dysregulation. So how would you define dysregulation and why do you think moms are so susceptible to it? So dysregulation is basically the, I would call it almost dysfunction, right, of your nervous system in terms of feeling completely out of control. You know, the best way to describe this is through the child lens, right? So you know the time where, and I we've all been there, like we've all been there where you're like, I'm, okay, you want the sa- sandwich cut in square? Sure, honey, let me cut it in square. No, I wanted it in triangle. Oh, well, it's already cut and I wanted the crust. Okay, let me take the crust, but I wanted it. And it's like you keep cutting and cutting and cutting and now you've got like bite-sized pieces and they're still not happy and you've literally done everything that you can possibly do, right? Like right. that is complete dysregulation where you have a complete meltdown of your nervous system and you feel so overloaded that nothing makes sense and nothing's working. And then in terms of burnout i would say it's it's the constant and chronic state of doing too much right like thinking you need to do it all and show up to the party yet you have no ability to do so and you just you're running on fumes like you're running on hormones right mm-hmm. right so so the million dollar question how can we prevent burnout. (laughs) As moms, you know, there's so much out there, you know, these days, especially since the pandemic Mm -hmm. uh, about, you know, self-care and the things we should do to pause and take deep breaths throughout the day and, you know, all the things, you know, I I do think it starts, as you mentioned earlier, you know, getting a good night's sleep. I think it definitely Mm -hmm. starts there for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But throughout the day, I mean, how, how can we prevent getting our bodies to that dysregulated state where it's it's so deep that we we literally are bedridden for right. the day and we can't get up because we're literally at rock bottom for that. How, how do we prevent that or how can we see the early warning signs? Sure. Yeah. If you feel like you're in the midst of the ocean, waving your hands in the air, like begging for a life raft, like you're there, right? If you are feeling like you're let me give you another example. Okay. I get a lot of parents who are like, how do I stop my kid from hitting me? How do I stop my kid from doing this? How do I stop my kid from doing that? And you're asking me because you don't like what they're doing. Right. So I find that we as parents, because there are children, there are Achilles heel, right? Like they are our everything that we just go above and beyond always. And so with that, we are completely self-neglecting ourself, right? If you don't want your child to hit you, like, would you allow a partner to hit you? No. Like, I don't want my partner to speak to me this way or that way. Like, and I wouldn't want my partner to hit me, right? Like, no, thank you. Yeah. So I believe that in order to see the warning signs, it means that you got to step back in the driver's seat. Like, you've got to be able to say, how do I want my life to look? Like, is you know, I used to wake up and I would look around the room and be like, is this my life? Like, is this it? Like, first comes love, then comes marriage, then comes baby and the baby. Care. Like, what the actual F? Like, this, like, no, like, I don't understand. Like, this is not the white picket fence people told me it would be. Like, this isn't real life. Like, this can't be it, you know? 
If you're waking up thinking that, or if you're in the middle of the ocean begging for a life raft, or you're allowing your child to do all the things that you think it's just like, that's just who they are and we need to allow it. And, and sh- like that, that's warning signs. That's like, okay, you're self-neglecting, you're doing too much and you're not tending to yourself. And I, I don't love pegging women in this, you know, state more than men, but I do see it in women more than men. We have a stronger part of our brain or a larger part of our brain. That's the emotional side than men. And I'm not saying men don't feel burnt out. That's a whole nother beast that I could dive into right now, especially being the primary caregiver and financial means. I understand both sides of it, right? And in order to take care of it, like you're saying, we first have to recognize like that we're, we're surviving. We're not thriving. And being in survival mode, I mean, I I think everyone's listening is, has been there at least once, right? And I said, we talked about earlier, like chronic survival mode and what that does to our bodies and our brains and how it just mm-hmm. disintegrates us and it just breaks us down. And it not only affects us, but also affects our kids. I know that if I don't get a good night's sleep, if I am overstimulated, if I am dysregulated, I am not going to be in the best place for my kids. And thus, you know, they're going to be dysregulated and then it's just going to escalate and it's going to keep building Mm -hmm. on each other, right? It's going to keep getting worse Mm -hmm. and worse because let's say I yell at my kids for doing something. They yell back because they're thinking, what the heck? Why is mom so mad at me? I didn't even do anything. So, you know, and then I get mad at them for talking back and it just goes on and on. Mm -hmm. So how, how can we recognize, um, you know, when we're in that survival mode, how can we recognize when that's actually happening and how can we maybe stop? And I know that you talked about the awareness, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. sometimes that's hard in the moment. I think after the fact, we can look back and think, oh, shoot, like an hour later, I shouldn't have yelled mm-hmm. at them. You know, you go back and apologize and whatnot. But mm-hmm. is there anything in the moment we can do or maybe it is some deep breathing and I don't know, but right. what, what would you suggest to someone who's like literally in that moment, you can feel the rage, you know, you're escalating and you're expecting your kid to be regulated, but you're not. How do we mm-hmm. get there? What are some, maybe some practical, quote unquote, self-care tips we can do in the moment to try and help ourselves calm down as quickly as possible? Yeah, I love that question. And, you know, to be honest, I'm asked that question so often. One of the reasons, I'm pausing because it's like one of the reasons those practical tips of breathing or journaling or meditating don't work is because... I like I don't have time to journal. Like I'm I'm a really great parent and I'm a regulated parent, but I don't have time to journal and I definitely don't have time to meditate. Like sure, I know the literature, I know the science behind all of that pen to paper and like I know it all, but we're like if you're in the middle of the water screaming for a life raft, you don't have time every single day to sit down with a pen and a paper or meditate for 15 minutes because I'm sure your kids bouncing on top of you pulling your hair, right? Like at the same time, you know? Yeah. So what I like to say, and the method that I've basically built is learning how to regulate yourself through the chaos, right? Like we say, put your oxygen mask on first. Yeah. So if you're recognizing that you're snapping or like you, boom, you're there, you snap. Yeah. Like your kids are splashing in the bathtub and the lights are on and the sound and and you've got plates still in the, and you know, that you got to clean from dinner and you just want to get them in bed and you're done for the day. Right. And, and like, ah, they're just having fun, but you are simply there. Right. I walk clients through, and this does not happen overnight, which is why it's so hard to offer this information because yes, these are the steps to take, 
but it has to build patterns over time in your brain. And I don't feel that offering this information, then parents being like, oh crap, I didn't do what Dr. B said. That's just more guilt and shame on yourself, you know? Sure. So it's really, the first step is boom, you snap, you're there. Stop, whatever it is, you know, like you, you turn the TV down, whatever it is. Yeah. You check in with yourself of like, how do I feel? That's the first question. Yeah. How do I feel? And it's so interesting the amount of women that I work with who have no idea how to answer that when I first start working with them. And I'm not talking about you saying, well, I'm so pissed off because he got home late and, and, and there's no toilet paper and there's poop all over the seat. Like, that's not how I'm asking how you feel. Like, that's the chaos level of communication. I want to know deep-rooted how do you feel, like basics, happy, sad, frustrated, angry, alone, like simple Resentful. words. <laughs> yes, like words that your kids will understand, like basics, right? Like like primary words or, or color, excuse me, there should be like primary words for feelings. Yeah. Like Absolutely. simple. How do you feel? I feel frustrated. Okay. Boom. I'm there. I'm on yellow. I feel frustrated. What, like, where do you feel it in your body? Yeah. Do you feel it in your jaw? Do you feel it in your forehead? Do you feel it in your shoulders? Do, that's connecting the, the feeling, right? The emotion to the physicality of how you're holding on to the stress and where the hormones are frankly like moving towards to support that part of your body as you're raising your shoulders or tightening your chest or all the different things, right? You're clenching your jaw. What do I need? I need a break. I need quiet. I need peace. I need earplugs. Yeah. Like I need water. I need silence. I need to turn the lights off. I need, what do you need? Right. And again, as women, we have such a hard time requesting our needs. Such a hard time doing that, that that takes time to create and build and foster that language over time. And then the last piece is how do I go get it? Like I just said, maybe it is communicating that to your partnership. Maybe it is finally asking for help. Maybe it is if you have, you know, enough of the means to do it, finding a sitter to help you, you know, maybe it's telling your children how you feel. Maybe it's asking your children for a hug. Maybe it's asking your partner for a hug. Who knows? But it's, it's you know, it's hard when I see Whole30 diet example, right? Like Whole30 for 30 days, all these different foods. Like, ooh, I feel great. Boom, I'm there. You know, like, or some workout plan. Like you, you rev your engine, you get there, you get committed, you do the thing, and then it tapers off because it hasn't created long-lasting patterns in your brain. You know, so I don't love saying I need you to meditate or I need you to read books or I need you to walk five minutes a day. The prescription is you get to decide, like, what do you need? Right. And that's taking the autonomy and the independence of saying, I've got to learn how to regulate my own body because we are all functioning different and we all need different things. And so we have to have the framework but then apply it for ourselves in terms of what feels good for me. If I feel sad, do I want to lay on the couch? Do I want to hug? Do I want yoga? If I'm angry and, and frustrated, do I need a, you know, a hard hit class and I'm craving input into my body? And again, that's all back to regulation of are you avoiding stimuli? Are you craving stimuli? And how to support your brain and body through the chaos and then through the storm because you can't always walk away. Like you can't just skip, you know, like this morning I'm exhausted. Like my dogs woke up twice in the middle of the night, not my norm. 
Do I still have to wake up to get my kids off to school? You bet. Like, I don't get to say pass. And we don't. Partner or no partner. Like, you don't, you know? 100%. So in order to support yourself through the storm and, and through the days and years, frankly, that are hard is, is where it's at. And that's where to start. And once you feel that, you'll be able to and I, of course, walk my parents through how to teach their kids that method of like, that's the language. Re- oh, like someone hit you at school today. How do you feel? Like, let them talk about how they feel. Let them decide where they feel it in their body. You know, like emotional eating. Why are my kids constantly snacking? Ding, ding, ding. There's some emotion going on up in there that feels like butterflies that they're translating into food hunger. But it might not be, you know. So we've got to teach our kids this too but we have to feel it first. I love that. Such great advice. And I a hundred percent agree with you about feeling it first. I think it does start with the parent. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I've done that too in my practice where the, the parent will come to me and say, <clears throat> you know, my child's so dysregulated. They're, they're this and they're that, and they're putting it all on the child. Really the blame's mm-hmm. on the child. And mm-hmm. then I say, well, how did you respond? How, how are you reacting? How, you know, and they're almost shocked at first, maybe even offended, you know, that I that I put a little bit of the responsibility on them and for them to take ownership on how their own regulation is. So I completely agree with you on that on that note. I know we're almost out of time. We've talked a lot about how parents can recognize dysregulation themselves and whatnot. But how do we know if our kids are overstimulated? What signs mm-hmm. can we look for in them? I know there's sometimes I know as a therapist myself who specializes in children, I'll see things sometimes in my own kids and I'll know okay, this, they're overstimulated, you know, they're a little dysregulated, they need, you know, and then I pull them aside, you know, it, whether it's hyperactivity, whether it's um, mm-hmm. anxiousness, whether it even might be a little bit, you know, depressive symptoms, I can recognize it in my kids and I'll say, okay, this is what I think they need right now. Or I'll ask them what they need, of course, mm-hmm. um, but sometimes I already know and I'll say, okay, take a deep breath and then they'll take a deep breath and then you just see their body start calming down. You know, that mm-hmm. works for, for my kids, but how can parents out there see that? How do they know if their sensory system is overloaded and they need mm-hmm. to, to walk away and maybe get into a, an environment that isn't loud and crazy and, you know, um, where they just need a, a mental brain break. Sure. Yeah. I think that this is so much pressure on parents to be able to say, like, I need to be able to understand my child in each and every moment. And I, I believe without the data or information um, of collecting, you know, when I work with a client, I have them take the sensory profile for their children and for themselves. And that way, again, we're teaching the parent what stimuli and how it functions on their brain. And if you can understand the sensory profile of, okay, your kid is very sensitive to sound and they are an avoider. So they may act out when there's a ton of sound around because they don't want to hear all these loud noises, but they don't know how to verbalize that. And not only do they not know how to verbalize it, but they don't even understand that that's the reason why they're acting out. Like they're just too young. And to be frank, I'm teaching parents this. Like we don't know this information, you know? Exactly. And so I think that goes to the point of saying like, if you don't know how to recognize this, that doesn't mean you're a bad parent. You didn't go to school for this. You don't specialize in this. You you, you have never been given the information. You know, we're still learning shoot, all the state capitals in in school, you know, with our kids. We're not learning how does your brain function and what does sensory stimuli to the brain? Like we're not learning this stuff, you know? So the biggest piece of advice is collect data. No joke. Like just, I'm not talking about with a pen and paper, just watch. Like 
Watch when things shift. Watch when things change. Be curious. Like, huh, Johnny slept at Sam's house the other night and he's kind of not doing so well. I wonder if he's a little tired, right? Like, I, like, I wonder what this is. Or the teacher, there wasn't um, substitute teacher. Like, maybe that's what's, you know, like, take data. Collect the data first to see what is triggering to your child and what is not and what is setting them off. And the more you can collect that data, the more you can observe and figure out what you need to tend to and support them with. You know, other than that, I would say I w- I'm happy to help you and I'm happy to, you know, give you the sensory profile for your children. But I, I don't necessarily think it needs to be, I want to figure this out. I need to go find someone who can give my child a diagnosis or can tell me what's going on. I, I think you above all else, need to learn that information for you and figure out how your child ticks and what will be supportive to them. And like you said, allowing them to figure that out for themselves is giving them autonomy, right? Because we want our child to, or I, this is my dream, is I want my child to be able to be on the playground, look at a, let's say, bully in the face and be like, yo, I feel, right? That's the first question. How do you feel? I feel I feel frustrated and it's all up inside my body. That's number two. Like, where do you feel it in your body? I need, right? What do you need? That's number three. I need you to back up. And number four, how do you go get it? You vocalize it for yourself and you say it and you say the hard things that most children fear saying. And if we can feel that on ourselves and feel how good it feels to do those four steps, then we know hands down we're giving our children all that they need to be a whole brained, well informed child to then go get what they need out of, out of life for themselves. Absolutely. I love that. I love those three steps. I'm, I'm really going to mm-hmm. like write those mm-hmm. down and put them on my mm-hmm. fridge. And so they're good mm-hmm. reminders, even, you know, mm-hmm. for me throughout the day, because when we're in that dysregulated state, we forget those sometimes. Our brain just yeah. kind of goes by the wayside and, you know, our, we don't think the way we do when we're in a calm state. So um, I just wanted to add that, you know, sometimes you know, people come to me and ask for a specific diagnosis for their child. And, yeah. you know, these are the symptoms and, and, and challenges and whatnot. And, you know, just wanted to share a little bit of my own experience that uh, I, with my son specifically, he's five. And I've noticed that he's a very, uh, he's a very loving, uh, easygoing child 90% of the time. Right. But I did notice it was his first day of kindergarten and he was getting a little defiant actually. Mm -hmm. And I thought, Mm -hmm. gosh, this isn't like him. What's going on? And so I'm, you know, Mm -hmm. racking my brain, racking my brain, putting Mm -hmm. my therapist hat on, you know, threw my parent hat out the window for a few minutes and trying to figure out what's going on. Why is he being so defiant? And I'm thinking, oh, he, so the first day of school, they had all the kids in the classroom, 25 of them, all 25 parents too. Sometimes both parents came. So, I mean, there was like 50, 60 people in this room and, (laughs) and he was refusing to do his work. And mostly because he was overstimulated from all the noise, all the people, all just all the sensory system that was just completely, um, you know, overstimulating him. And he he shut down, essentially. So his defiance was really him shutting down emotionally. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But some people would look at that and say, gosh, you know, wow, she has a very defiant son or why is he having such an attitude or, you know, whatever the case is. So. Like you said, you have to dig a little deeper. And then sometimes he gets hyperactive when, A, he's extremely tired. If you ever notice that with kids at, you know, before bedtime and it's like they ramp they're up. overtired and they ramp up, right? So that's kind of an easier one and maybe, maybe more common. But he also gets hyperactive when he gets anxious. So if he's in a situation that makes him anxious, whatever that case is, 
he'll get a little bit hyperactive and he'll, it's almost like he's overcompensating, totally. you know, his, his sensory system um, in that moment because he doesn't know how else to deal with it. So like I said, over the years, I've kind of put some puzzle pieces together and yeah. I've realized, and I've even told his teacher, well, if you see him getting hyperactive or defiant, these are probably the reasons why. And mm-hmm. it really helped her understand where he's coming from and knowing, you know, if and when those times happen, they're more rare than not, but if they happen, she'll know, oh, he's not just trying to talk back or be mean or shut down and not do his work or whatever the case is. He's not trying to be rude mm-hmm. to his teacher. It mm-hmm. means he probably needs to be removed for a few minutes, get a drink, get a, get some fresh air, whatever the case is. So just hoping that helps parents out there if they have a similar experience or just to dig a little deeper. And it's not yep. just what's on the surface, let's say defiance or hyper- hyperactivity, since that's what I feel like I deal with a lot in my practice, yep. um, that it could be something more or just something yep. as simple as being dysregulated and needing a break. So yeah. I mean, I think we all need breaks. And I, I think that we all, we're just so quick to say, oop, something's going on. Like, we need to figure this out. And as long as they're sitting and remaining in their seat and doing what's requested of them, then there's no problem. But if we show any anything, then it's like, okay, this is an issue. And that doesn't necessarily mean that. And I don't know about you, but like, Shutting down my feelings definitely didn't work for me when I was a child. It definitely didn't. And so if your son is struggling in those moments, that just means that there's something going on internally and that we need to tend to it rather than reprimand him for it, you know? Oh, absolutely. And yeah, I think that like any parents listening, if you're looking for like a solution or a, if you're looking for like why, like why is my kid doing this? I need, I need an explanation. I need, maybe it's a diagnosis or I need someone to give me like, not only why is my child doing this, but tell me the steps to get them to stop. That's a hard one because like, we don't necessarily need them to stop. We don't necessarily need that, right? I know that the world and everything around us is saying we should, but like, that's your child naturally regulating their body. And we are trying to shut that down totally shut that down so that they can just attend and focus, you know? And so just, just listen in, just, just trust your child and trust yourself too. Trust that, you know, you are hands down the expert of your child. 1000%. You know them best above any doctor and any psychologist or clinical psychologist or, or anyone who would give a diagnosis, right? Like you know your child best. Yep. And I think it, the mm-hmm. hardest part is, I think as a parent, and I'm sure you can relate to this, that it's so hard to see our kids in pain. It's so uncomfortable totally. for us as parents to see your child struggling, that yep. you want a quick fix. You want that solution as quickly as possible because you, it makes you uncomfortable and you make, you know, it makes them uncomfortable and that's what makes it hard. But tell us where, where can people find you for more tips? Cause I know you have a lot more to share and I've been loving what you've been sharing so far, but tell us where we Thank can, you. you know, get more information from you and, you know, sign up for one of your courses or whatnot. Tell us um, a little bit more about that. Sure. You can find me. I would say the hub of all the in in the know, you know, the latest and greatest information is for sure my Instagram, which is Brooke, and then half of my last name, W-E-I-N-S-T, which is Weinstein. Um, I share with you exactly what's going on and the latest and greatest. I have a podcast called Thrive Like a Parent. Um, my website is drbrookweinstein.com. And I do have some awesome courses and workshops coming soon that I hope are really cost effective to parents so that you guys can get this information and 
not feel like you're in the dark and and kind of feel empowered to be the expert on your child and and trust. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for all of your wisdom and our conversation today. I truly enjoyed it. And I hope people reach out because I know uh, I love what you've been sharing. And I think that every parent would really benefit from what you have to offer. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. I cannot wait for you to listen to more episodes. If you are a new listener, I recommend starting at my best of year one episode first. Then make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And when you love an episode, please leave a review. And if you want to stay connected between episodes, please visit me on social media at The Parentologist and on my blog at theparentologist.com. This podcast is not intended to be a replacement for therapy. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please call 911.